Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty podcast. My name is Nate Thurston, and across from me on my table on my computer is Charles, back from Italy, Thompson. How's it going today, Chuck? I didn't get stuck. How about that? Yeah. I mean, the, of all the places you would want to be stuck if you enjoy Italy. I don't know if you do. Some people may hate it. I don't know. Like the French. But um, it, I didn't get stuck. So I'm I'm Charles Chuck, not stuck in Italy Thompson. Have you lost your nickname of Stuck Thompson now, you think? I think so. I think that is dead and gone. Huh. Dead and gone. So one Ooh. time you don't get stuck and all of a sudden you lose a nickname. All right. Exactly. Okay. I'm so tall though. Yeah, you are. I'm so tall. tall. So I got to tell this story real quick. I I know every listener loves our personal stories. That's why they're here. Okay. This is how tall I am. If you didn't believe six eight gate, I, I think I was measured at six foot seven and like a quarter. Is that right from the live group Patreon? Something like that. Yeah. Somewhere around there. But I am so tall that we left a bag in New York, and that bag that we left in New York had mostly my shirts in it. And a few things uh, for the lady, some important things like tanning lotion and stuff like that. Um, and I thought, I always think like, if you have your cell phone in your wallet, if you remember those two things, then you can do just about anything you need to do. Well, it turns out that you can't really buy clothing if you're a large person in Europe. Huh. I I tried, we tried several stores because uh, I ended up having to wear my Cowboys jersey like three times while I was over there <laughs> until we were able to get the bag. Um, but I, we've tried so many stores in Italy and I was even trying on, uh, I, I wear a 2X tall. That's my normal shirt size. I was even trying on 3X, 3Xs, which is the best they had that fit like a medium. Yeah, I don't, was, I don't know if you noticed terrible. when you like order stuff online and it comes in European sizes, it's uh, it's very different. It doesn't work. Yes. Yeah. So it turns out you need more than just a cell phone and wallet. It, that's that's what I, that was the whole moral of the story. And hopefully your wallet has a vaccine passport in it so you can get around places also. I did have one of those. Yeah. It was required and they did check it several times over there. How did that feel? It was fine. I mean, I, I didn't really care that much because I was on vacation. So some people didn't care about it. There were some um, some establishments you would go into that were very, uh, do you have your vaccine passport? Do you have your green? They call it green card over there. It's a green card. Mm. Um, and it's they over there just scan a QR code on their phone. I don't know why we don't have a digital one if we're going to require one. But we walked in some places and... They didn't even ask for it. And we we're like, hey, we have our vaccine cards. And they were like, oh, we trust you. Um, so it, it wasn't a big deal. Well, you obviously don't care very much about liberty. That's really all I heard right there is that, uh, you know, <laughs> just didn't didn't hurt you to do that. I've only I had voluntarily do... was, yeah. it, was submitting my card. That's true. That is true. You didn't have to go to that place. You didn't even have to go to Italy. Didn't. You could have decided that you weren't going to get it. So exactly. I've been thinking about getting my uh, vaccine lately, by the way. I had a late night thought you know what that means. It was like when I was going to bed and I had this late night thought and I was like, you know what? I think maybe I should get my vaccine that way when I'm having conversations with people about not needing to mandate vaccines, 
I can be coming from the standpoint of someone who is vaccinated. And so when I'm talking about not wanting mandatory vaccines, I can say it's okay. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I have my vaccine. So you should listen to my opinion on the matter. And that was literally the only reason. And uh, my wife said that was a terrible reason to get a to get a vaccine. But that was really that's the only thing. That's the thing that's brought me the closest to getting it so far. That's and it. now you're being called fascist Nate. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad they finally turned on you. <laughs> finally. It's about time. Speaking about the fact that I don't really have to get a vaccine right now, let's roll into this and we'll sprinkle in various Charlie Italy stories throughout the uh, throughout the podcast. <laughs> for the next month. Yeah, but for now, first we'll start with a Nate COVID story because the first thing we're going to talk about is the fact that having a previous SARS-CoV-2 infection uh, studies some new studies this one is posted in science mag and the studies coming out of israel is saying that it actually confers much better immunity especially against the delta variant than the vaccines do and this is not an argument about not getting the vaccine by the way that's not that's not what i'm saying okay that's a decision for you uh, Charlie's still alive, so we know that you're okay for at least a couple months or so. Uh, so that that's the data that I have in my life so far, plus all my family is still okay too. That's all of the evidence that I have so far. But w- what about in the case where you're traveling or you're going somewhere that requires these vaccines and you've had previous immunity? I just feel like we should have a conversation about that. And, and how this should be counted. And thanks, Nicole, for posting this earlier. It's a really good one. I don't know if she's in here right now, uh, but she posted this in a really good article from sciencemag.org. The national immune protection that develops after a SARS-CoV-2 infection offers considerably more of a shield against the Delta variant, according to a large Israeli study. They do some really big studies over there because they're not exactly the freest government with the most privacy and the most rights that you've ever heard right. of. Okay. The newly released data show people who once had a SARS-CoV-2 infection were much less likely than never infected vaccinated people to get Delta, develop symptoms from it, or become hospitalized with serious COVID-19. The study, conducted in one of the most highly COVID-19 vaccinated countries in the world, examined medical records of tens of thousands of Israelis charting their infection symptoms and hospitalizations between June and August Uh, 14th is when they started, when the Delta variant uh, predominated in Israel. It's the largest real-world observational study so far to compare natural and vaccine-induced immunity to SARS-CoV-2, according to its leaders. Uh, They are still saying, by the way, uh, that they're not recommending that that means you have a COVID COVID party. You go out there and you try to get COVID like a chickenpox party or anything like that. They're not recommending that you do that. And I would also not want to recommend that because... First off, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to give yourself COVID to protect yourself from COVID. That's yeah. <laughs> like right there on its head. Yeah. If you're trying to protect yourself from COVID, getting COVID is one of the things that you don't want to do if you're trying to do that. So we'll just say that. And then as you're far like, as... Hey, the- man, I don't want to get salmonellas when I eat this raw chicken. So I'm going to eat some raw eggs to protect myself <laughs> yeah. from the salmonella from the raw chickens. Yeah, I think that'll help. And so what a lot of people have taken from this is uh, they're trying to make the argument that well, you should try to naturally be infected with it and develop that. I'm not recommending that because I'm not a medical professional and I haven't done any studies whatsoever. Uh, Based on the data that uh, I have been fed by the media, uh, getting getting COVID uh, could still be 
uh, more dangerous than the numbers that we have from getting the vaccine. I will just say it that way. I think we, well, we've got to look at the data even right if the now percentages hospitals, are low, by the way, even though the percentages are really low for both of them. Yeah. Yes, that is true. If you look, but if you, if you do look at the hospitalizations currently, it, the, the amount of um, unvaccinated people versus the amount of vaccinated people that are in the hospital, there is a significant difference. It's like a hundred to four. Yeah. I think, uh, I think uh, it's, it's right around 95% of the people in the hospitals uh, are unvaccinated. And so this keeps going through here. It says no one in the study who got a new SARS-CoV-2 infection. Oh, let me read the first, the first paragraph here. Never infected people who were vaccinated in January or February uh, in, let's see, were in June and July, they were 13 times more likely to get infected than unvaccinated people who were previously infected with the coronavirus. So let me say that again a little bit better. If you never had COVID, but you got the vaccine in January or February, uh, when they tested this in June, July, and a little bit of August here, those people who were vaccinated but never had the infection were 13 times more likely to get infected than someone who was unvaccinated but had previously had coronavirus. So that means after, this is after six months or so, that's, that's what they are finding. In one analysis comparing more than 32,000 people in the health system, the risk of developing symptomatic COVID-19 was 27 times higher among vaccinated people. And the risk of hospitalization was eight times higher compared to people who had previously had COVID-19. Okay, no one in the study who got a new SARS-CoV-2 infection died, which prevented a comparison. That's, once again, in the study, which had tens of thousands of people in it. They couldn't do a death comparison because no one in their study died. Okay, just to, just to give which you a... Which is good. I mean, that's, that's good great. news because we're against death. Yeah, I don't want anyone to die. I'm just yeah. trying to adjust how fearful I'm supposed to be right now when you do a study with all those people and you can't compare death rates because no one in the study died. Um, that I'm glad, I'm happy that that was the case. Uh, they said, uh, quote, we continue to underestimate the importance of natural infection immunity, especially when the infection is recent. And uh, let's see, when you bolster that with one dose of the vaccine, by the way, it takes, it, by the way, they are saying that if you got one dose of the vaccine, then you are way more protected than people had the previous infection. But we're just comparing a whole bunch of stuff. So you get yourself a little bit of vaccine on top of your, on top of your natural immunity, saying it's a, it's a lot better. So uh, the data show uh, people who recover from SARS-CoV-2 infection continue to develop increasing numbers and types of coronavirus-targeting antibodies for up to one year. By contrast, he says twice vaccinated people stop seeing increases in the potency or breadth of the overall memory antibody compartment a few months after their second dose. So yeah, they're saying that they're hardly seeing any after like six months. Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're talking about the booster shots right now. So that's, a, mm, that's exactly. another thing. And, and, you know, what I was what I mainly wanted to say from this is not you should get a natural infection instead of, instead of getting the vaccine. I think trying to get naturally infected with this, I would feel like I was rolling. Now I just said I would feel. We'd have to look at the data on this. But I would feel like I was rolling the dice more getting a COVID infection than if I just went and got the vaccine. Just to say, like, if you're going to do one of them, uh, getting the natural infection, 
uh, the potential of it becoming really bad, and we don't know exactly what all the long-term symptoms are. I can tell you this morning, I was still feeling bad enough that I almost canceled the live stream for the trading class. Last night, I had a splitting headache, and I was super dizzy, and I'm, I'm still dealing with that, and I'm just about to finish my second course of antibiotics. So it's, it's, still, it's still ongoing right now. I'm, I'm still looking at, I'm wearing my Apple Watch more now so I can track all these heart arrhythmias I've been having constantly throughout the day. So I don't know exactly what you're going to have long term from this. We could find out, we could find out several years down the road that this, uh, that having COVID shaved 10, 15 years off your life. We, we don't, we don't know. The, the actual thing is there, we don't actually know. And we don't know what the long-term effects of the vaccine are either, by the way. That's a fair thing to say. So we just have to admit what we do know, what we don't know. And my main problem with this is, why does, why does the fact that you had COVID, why does that not transfer over to these places that are mandating vaccines? Because it doesn't seem like anyone's actually following the science on this idea. It doesn't actually look like the concern is protecting people and being safe, it actually looks like the concern is really the optics of the whole situation, that you want to make sure what's, that people are vaccinated. What's interesting about that, though, that's actually only in America, though, because in the European Union, if you have recovered from SARS-CoV-2, then you still get a green pass. So yeah, yeah, I, I learned that in Italy. There were, there, were only, there were two ways that you could have a green pass. There were actually three, but I don't remember the third. You had to be fully vaccinated, with one of their approved vaccines, which was Moderna, Pfizer, Johnson and Johnson and AstraZeneca. Um, or you had to recover um, with, you had to recover from having the infection within the last six months. Okay. So you've had to have the infection and recover within the last six months. Oh, the other way is you had to get tested. You had to test negative and quarantine for five days and then test negative again. And then they would give you a green pass for a while. Mm, okay. Those are so, the three ways that you could travel freely in Europe. So they're actually, not that I like all of those things, but they are at least accepting a little bit more of it. They're at least going with a little bit more of a scientific approach and not so much just a public optics approach. Yeah, that you okay. can't do anything unless you get vaccinated. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's, I don't, I don't like that. True. Um, so the next story here, Charles, um, I, I, I posted this in the group, but... Mr. Uh, Mr. Joe Rogan out there, he's doing a uh, doing a show in New York, and of course they're forcing people to get vaccinated in New York. So we just had a little solution here to the problem, and I thought we just need to call this out because we want people to uh, to help out in this free mar this mandated free market opportunity that we have right now. I just thought it was a good point to make that Joe Rogan's doing this. All right. So from the Daily Wire, thanks, Ben. Joe Rogan says he won't force fans to get vaxxed, offers refund for New York City show. Podcast, Podcast King Joe Rogan said on a show last week that New York Mayor, uh, New York's Mayor Bill de Blasio, vaccine mandate for indoor entertainment put him in an awkward position. He'd already sold 13,000 tickets to his live comedy show at Madison Square Garden, but has gone on the record opposing vaccine requirements. The 54-year-old comedian solved the problem by offering refunds to anyone who doesn't want to get the vaccine. Quote, if someone has an ideological or physio uh, physiological reason for not getting vaccinated, I don't want to force them to get vaccinated to see an effing stupid comedy show, <laughs> Rogan said. And now they say that everybody has to be vaccinated and I want everybody to know that you can get your money back. 
Rogan has been clear that he is not opposed to coronavirus vaccines, but he has pointed out the inconsistency in the CDC's messaging and argued that they may not be necessary for the least vulnerable populations. I am not anti-vax, Rogan said in April. In fact, I said I believe they are safe and I encourage many people to take them. It just said, uh, I just said if you're a young, healthy person, you don't need it. Their argument was you need it for other people, but that's a different conversation. And yes, that makes sense. So wouldn't you know it? Joe Rogan listens to the show. <laughs> How about that? You know, he's so close to being fairly libertarian. You know, I feel like if we just had a, a couple hours with him, he's just right on the edge. I know. So close. We he's, should, he just needs to take the plunge. Jeff said we should have him on. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that before. Actually. I, yeah. We should let him know he's welcome on the show. That will be yeah. good. And see, that's the problem, except for like believing in universal healthcare and thinking that Bernie, that he would vote for Bernie Sanders and those yeah. different types of yeah. things. That's why I, but, he, that's his heart pulling at him, though, you know, and he makes so many uh, he makes so many logical arguments. And uh, I just think that I just think that he could be swayed to, yes, think that we uh, could do things to help people, but not that the government needs to do it. So when he's got Bernie on there, um, you know, I, I don't like it when he's got Bernie on there, because then when he's got someone else on there, that's completely the opposite. Say he's got Jordan Peterson on there or. or uh, Shapiro or, um, or, oh, what's his name? Dave Smith or something like that. When he's, when he's got those people on there, then, uh, then he, uh, he does a, a pretty good job being pretty logical when it comes to these arguments. But then when he's got Bernie on there, eh, eh, it's kind of difficult to listen to him just agreeing with everything that he says, mm -hmm. you know? Um, could mm -hmm. you go ahead and do the next one's really short. Could you go ahead and do this next one? Because there's a larger argument here. Uh, that I wanted to make. And the next one ties into the larger argument. All right. So from Newsweek, Texas anti-mask activist Caleb Wallace, who opposed COVID tyranny, dies of the virus. This is news. Caleb Wallace, a Texas anti-mask organizer, has died at the age of 30 after contracting COVID-19. Wallace helped organize a group in Texas called the San Angelo Freedom Defenders, a group that opposed COVID-19 restrictions. Jessica Wallace told the Standard Times that her husband started experiencing COVID-19 symptoms on July 26. At first, he declined to get tested for COVID-19 or go to the hospital, she said. He medicated using, uh, using ivermectin, a drug that's often used to treat parasites in people and animals, and which the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has said shouldn't be used to treat COVID-19, along with zinc, aspirin, vitamin C, and an inhaler, the newspaper reported. He was so hard-hearted, Jessica Wallace said. Headed, hard-headed. So hard-headed. Um, he didn't want to see a doctor because he didn't want to be part of the statistics with COVID tests. Weeks later, on August 27, Jessica Wallace wrote that her husband wouldn't survive much longer and that he would be moved to comfort care the next day. To those who wished him death, I'm sorry his views and opinions hurt you. I prayed he come out of this with a new perspective and more appreciation for life. I can't say much more than that because I can't speak for him. She added. Now that's so. A, first of all, this is sad. Yeah, I, don't um, I, I have a friend of mine who's 33, um, who just went into the ICU with COVID. Relatively healthy guy, a great guitar player, um, and he he was sick for like nine days. Was admitted to the hospital. He developed pneumonia, and within two days, he also had a stroke. <laughs> 
Um, so that's, that's one of the dangers with COVID is, is the blood clotting and stroke. Um, and so now he's on a vent in the ICU. And, and once you're on a vent, uh, it's very difficult to come back from that. Um, so, so it can affect some young people, but I mean, it's still rare. It's very rare that a 30 or a 33 year old or a 21 year old is going to contract a disease like this and die. Um, it, it's also very rare for a five year old to get the flu and die. Um, but that still happens. Um, but, but it's sad. The first thing is, is it's sad. Um, and I, and I like your first point here, Nate, that you said fighting against COVID restrictions does not mean does not mean that you think COVID isn't real. Yeah, there's a, so point, the people, there's a point that people have been making a lot that the, the point of this article, the only reason they're talking about this guy is because he was an anti-mask, anti-COVID restrictions activist. Exactly. That's it. And if he would just would have worn his mask and yeah. got a shot, he wouldn't have died. But, yeah. but he could have died in a car wreck or <laughs> something else. You know what I mean? Like it's not, it, 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 the, the link between thinking COVID's not real and actually contracting the virus and the people wishing him death. I remember when Trump got the, got COVID and everybody was wishing him death. Like, Oh, I hope he dies of it. Cause he doesn't think it's real and all this stuff. Like that's just absolutely disgusting. Well, the I thing is they're not wish... even, they're not even saying that it's not real. Like you don't have to think COVID isn't real to think that the government shouldn't mandate things. So uh, yes. I don't, you know, I don't want to say that this guy didn't think COVID was real. But he was against the government mandates for everything. He didn't, he didn't like what they were doing. So he was organizing some protests and stuff. But that doesn't mean that you don't think it's possible for people to get COVID and die. Those are right. two separate things. Exactly. Just like Rogan, uh, the reason I tied the two stories together, he was saying that he's not anti-vax. He just doesn't think the government needs to be mandating these things. He thinks it's so, he he's, believes in that so much that he's going to give a lot of people for that were going to his show, he's going to give them refunds so they don't have to get a vaccine just to go to his show. Yeah. And, and so, and they can still get the vaccine and go to his show if they want to see him bad enough to get the vaccine and go to the show. And that's their decision or they can take the refund. But just because you don't believe that the government should mandate things, it doesn't mean that you can't get COVID. We saw the same thing when Texas Governor Greg Abbott got COVID. It's like, oh, Texas Governor Greg Abbott gets COVID while, our, while blocking school mask mandates. I'm like, okay, was he, isn't, was he in an elementary school when he got sick? Uh, was he, do, does the fact that he's blocking mask mandates th mean that he doesn't think people can get COVID? or that he thought that there was no way he was ever going to get it, they're completely or, separated. Yeah, same thing as like, oh, Governor Abbott is recovering from an attempted assassination where he was shot while blocking a, the ban on gun bill. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like the same thing. That's <laughs> true. Like, oh, he should have banned those guns so he didn't get shot in the <laughs> attempted assassination. Like, you, you, the, those things aren't the same thing. Libertarian against uh, libertarian against mandated seatbelt laws dies in car accident. Like it doesn't mean you didn't know that you could die in a car accident. It just means right. you were against the government mandating things. Exactly. You know? um, and you, you do the math. The other thing uh, that we'll lead into here is talking about ivermectin. And I'll preface first by saying I've seen data uh, saying that ivermectin could be very beneficial. I didn't do the research, and honestly, I'm not a medical professional, so I have no clue whether or not it is effective. Uh, I, I barely trust anyone. So honestly, any of the data that I've ever seen could be completely wrong, and that could be on both sides. You so, don't even trust yourself half the time. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no. And so 
the other thing that you see in these news stories is this person took ivermectin and then they died. And uh, Matt in here in the group was saying, if you want to be anecdotal, everyone I know who used ivermectin survived and have mostly beneficial effects. Uh, the only COVID death he knows was vaccinated. And so we keep seeing these anecdotal stories that are posted about this person who, uh, who took ivermectin and they still died from COVID. And you see that. That's not an argument. We have to get to actual, we have to get to actual data because if you want to play that game, uh, there's been at least 1,500 people who took the vaccine and still died from COVID. Actually, there's been, there's, there's been way more people who were vaccinated who died from COVID than news stories I've seen about people who took ivermectin and still died from COVID. So those yeah. stories are not, are, are not proof that it doesn't work. And you can't take that as proof that it doesn't work. You'd have to take data as proof that it doesn't work. Can you, yeah, can you see the headline? Uh, New Jersey uh, vaccine activist, Jessica <laughs> Wallace, who promoted the vaccine, dies of COVID. No, you would not see that. You would maybe, never see that. Maybe but that's from what they a do. Newsmax or something like that, you could see it. Or uh, yeah, Fox, you, maybe. Yeah, you would never see that, though. You know, Jessica, vaccine activist. But but because it doesn't fit the narrative. Yeah. But, yeah, there are people who have died from the vaccine or complications from the vaccine, but that happens with every vaccine. Look, I, th I think what people are in search of, and this is something we talk about on this show, regardless of COVID or not, we talk about this all the time. What, what people are looking for is this uh, utopia that doesn't exist where there's like, there's no disease, um, you know, uh, um, the, the Imagine song by John Lennon, right? <laughs> we just have everything right? brought to us. We don't have to work, but somehow things are still created yeah. and, and we things can Things are use created. Them. Your life yeah. is, is just wonderful. You have everything you could ever need. There's no death anymore. Uh, no religion to, you know, all, it's just a, this perfect utopian, utopian world where you know, there's no disease. There's no, there's literally nothing. Guess what? That doesn't exist. Okay. People have been dying from all kinds of things from the beginning of time. Uh, it, it just, it, it, there is no utopian. So on, on this quest, and now that doesn't mean don't hear what I'm not saying, folks. That doesn't mean that we shouldn't strive to make things better because I think we should. But what it does mean is that utopia doesn't exist. So you can you can play out all these anecdotal scenarios all you want, like the one I just made up about Jessica, who was a vaccine activist and took the vaccine and died of COVID still. You could play all those out because the world is so complex. We as human beings are complex. We don't understand it all. We don't know it all. We can't know it all. So if you, so I don't know, get on my philosophical high horse here. <laughs> like everything is so complex and each person is genetically unique enough to where one thing doesn't work. It's like when you create, and this actually goes to why centralized societies don't work. Every individual being is so uniquely different that what works for one person won't work for the next. Now you can, in large part, uh, make things that work for a large number of people, but you're always going to have outliers, right? You're always going to have people whose genetic makeup doesn't, literally their genetic makeup does not work for that particular vaccine. If they took that vaccine, it would kill them, right? <laughs> like that's just the way it is. And I don't know how to solve that problem. I don't know if we'll ever know how to solve that problem. But what we can do is just is talk about what we actually know, be transparent about what we don't know, and then try to make the best decision for you and your family, all 
while trying to stop governments from being tyrannical and forcing you to do things. Because what we know is that things don't go well when you allow that to happen. Um, the, the other thing that's that, it, I'm um, done. I really like your high horse right there, Charlie. That was good. I'm back. Yeah, that was nice. <laughs> Come on down off your soapbox, man. That was good. All right. Let me help you down real quick. I feel um, clean. So I wanted to talk a little, we'll talk a little bit more about ivermectin. Now I might say something that people uh, won't agree with here. And that's that, um, here's what you see. Well, first off, I'll say something you go, here's the annoying part you'll see. And you see this online, on Twitter, all over the place. It's super annoying. It was all over this post about the this activist dying, because obviously he took ivermectin. And everyone's on there saying, oh, well, this is, that's what happens when you take a horse dewormer. To, to try and help yourself from COVID-19. That argument, that argument bothers me so much because all you're doing right there is you're just creating a smear. You're, you're, you're literally engaging in, in smear. You're, you're trying to say, well, this is a horse dewormer. Just because something has a specific use that it's approved for, say in the United States, and it's also approved for other uses for humans, by the way, does not mean that ivermectin is a horse dewormer. <laughs> That is one of the things that it's used for. Now, it was developed back in uh, the 70s, I think. I think it was approved for use in 81 or 85. Uh, they were using it for animals uh, right there at the start. One of the reasons that that happens a lot, by the way, is because before you can get a drug approved for humans, you have to go through animal trials. And so after you finish the animal trials, you know that you got a drug that could be useful for animals. And you can start using it right then, and then you go through the human trials. And guess what? Five years later, it was approved. Uh, around five years later, it was approved for use in humans as well. And so it went through kind of this natural progression of a drug. It's something that I was reading earlier. They, they say up to 200 million people uh, might take it uh, at some point in time every year in the world because it's very common in more poor countries. So one thing that bothers me is when you decide to say ivermectin is a horse dewormer, that's kind of first off putting down people in all the other countries that do actually have to take it for the different parasitic things uh, that they're having to take it for. And people in the United States, by the way, that take, iver that take ivermectin, uh, there's something like a couple hundred thousand prescriptions of it. It's not insanely, uh, not insanely common, but it, it's, there's a difference in something that is used for animals and for people and something that's only used for animals. Okay. And so those are, those are very different things. You know, my, my dog, when she was getting really old and uh, she's, She's not long. She's no longer with us. Well, she, I mean, she's on a shelf in the next room, but she's she's no longer uh, puttering uh, puttering around the house or anything like that. Um, she was taking tramadol for pain, and she was taking levothyroxine for a thyroid thing, and uh, she was taking trazodone for sleep. All of those are other are are also medications that we've been prescribed to use right here in our house. Probably gab gabapentin for pain. She was also taking gabapentin. Yeah, you're right. You're yep. right about that. And so all of those medications, when I took my gabapentin or when I took my trazodone, when I was taking that for sleep, or uh, we take levothyroxine or something like that, that doesn't mean that we were taking dog medicine when we were taking that. That means that it's also approved for that. And especially when you have something like the FDA that makes it much harder to use medications for things that they could be used for, it's just not a very good argument, especially in the fact that it's way more common in a lot of other countries that don't have to deal with the FDA uh, like we do. Now, that's all the stuff that you agree with. The second one, I don't think it's a good idea to go to a farm supply store and buy medication that's been formulated for horses, okay? 
one thing I do know about the medication that my dog was taking is that it wasn't the same as the medication I was taking. It was different. It was the same, it was the same drug, but they had different delivery systems. They had different additives in them. They had much different dosage. Uh, they, they were very different. And now I don't know exactly what the differences are with the stuff that you buy in the farm supply store. Okay. So I'm not going to come on here and say, I looked up all the ingredients and I know I'm right about this. What I am saying is that hopefully everyone who takes this is aware that just because a medication has the same name and they say it's the same thing, uh, even for, for medication that's approved for use in people, you can have 20% variances allowed by the FDA in the, in the uh, active ingredients and still be considered the same thing. And when that goes down to a medication that's being uh, given to animals, the variances widen a whole lot more in the active ingredients. So you don't know for sure that you're getting the same thing. And there could also be a whole lot of other additives. You could cut a pill in half and heck, uh, maybe the other half is the one that had the medication in it. You know, <laughs> you, know you know what I mean? So, yeah, so, so anyway, I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Now, if you went to a doctor and, or you took the, or you got your hands on ivermectin that is, that is uh, specifically formulated for humans, then I'm insanely annoyed that when you take that, someone says you're taking horse dewormer. That's, that's crazy annoying. Okay. Yeah. Now all that was a lead up to this story right here. Okay. Um, this is an interesting one. We got to talk about a little bit of government compelling someone in a market to do something. First off, judge orders Cincy Hospital, Cincinnati Hospital to treat COVID-19 patient with ivermectin despite CDC warnings. Okay. And now, by the way, what the CDC's warnings are, because I went onto the CDC's website, their warnings are that you don't need to take the animal one and that COVID-19 has not been proven by, by whatever, credible sources to stop COVID-19. It's not warnings that, uh, that the ivermectin is going to kill you or anything like that. That's not what the CDC is warning about, unless you take the animal version. A Butler County judge ruled in favor of a woman last week who sought to force a hospital to administer ivermectin. An animal dewormer. Now this is now this is how the article defines yeah. ivermectin. And they to administer ivermectin, an animal dewormer that federal regulators have warned against using in COVID nineteen patients. That is why we let up with that. Do you think the hospital went to the farm supply store and bought some <laughs> horse dewormer, or do you think they use the ivermectin that they prescribe to people when they need it? Which one of those do you think they used? <laughs> Well, okay. obviously, according to this article, it was the, it was the horse dewormer. Yeah. To her, <laughs> so they, uh, that, um, let's see, to her husband after several weeks in the ICU with the disease. So he'd been in the ICU, uh, might have been on a vent by then. I don't know. Don't know about that. The order filed August 23rd compels the hospital to provide Smith with 30 milligrams of ivermectin daily for three weeks. I'm surprised they put the dosage amount out there, to tell you the truth. Hmm. So, first off, what do you think about a judge ordering? that a hospital has to administer a medication that someone is asking for. Isn't that kind of weird? Yes, this one is weird um, because really it should be a decision of the doctor because his license is on the line, but then you get into a conversation of like, should doctors have licenses? <laughs> and then you get into the conversation of, 
well, shouldn't you just be able to buy this on the street if you wanted to? This There's a whole libertarian weird argument here that you could go down a massive rabbit hole that we just don't have time for. So y'all save your comments uh, <laughs> about all that because we ain't got time for it. All right. What I will say is that if I wanted to take something that I thought was life-saving to me and I was and I could not find a place to get that and... I was restricted to get it for myself because of FDA regulations. Then, I mean, I guess you're going the only route you really can, which is suing someone to force them to provide you with something that you think could be life-saving um, that you should be able to get yourself, but you can't. So you have to have someone write a script for you. I, I don't know. I mean, this is a tough one because I'm all for people getting the things that they need and deciding for themselves what to put in their own body, especially when they think it could save their life. Uh, but at the same time, it, are you forcing people to provide a prescription that you wouldn't write? You know, like if I was in pain and I sued a hospital because they wouldn't give me pain medicine, like I'm suing you because you won't give me my oxy, man. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's a very, weird situation. And that's why this one, that's why most things aren't black and white folks. There's a lot, there's a big giant gray area. Yeah. The, where you, you honestly don't know the right answer. The, the other, the, the one thing I would say here is if you're on, if you're at the last, last ditch, last ditch effort, we have made the argument several times that you should be allowed to take medications that haven't been approved for what's uh, for whatever is wrong with you. It's just weird to go into because we want a free market in healthcare. We don't have one right now, but say we want a free market in healthcare. Could you walk in there and say you must provide me with this specific product, or I'm going to sue you? Like I'm not going to walk into McDonald's and sue them if they don't prescribe me some, or if they don't provide me with some lobster or anything like that. That's not something that they do there. And so if they don't give ivermectin for, for COVID-19, it's weird to walk into a business and say, you have to provide me with this or, or I'm leaving. It's just kind of weird. I don't know. But um, yeah. anyway, the drug... Well, the business can be like, okay, leave. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, yeah. Now the issue is this guy can't leave. He's in the ICU. He probably can't be moved. He might not be able to be moved. I don't know if he's stable enough uh, to, to be able to be moved. And so you are in a... It's a weird situation here. So I'd like to hear people's thoughts on it. Um, they yeah. continue the smear campaign. The drug was originally developed to deworm livestock animals before doctors began using it against parasitic diseases among humans. Now, all I can find is they developed it. It started for animals, which makes sense because that's the first thing it's approved for. A few years later, they started using it in humans. Okay, that that doesn't mean that <clears throat> they uh, they looked at this. They were like, we need to develop a drug to treat uh, parasitic worms and livestock. And then and that, that someone needs to help me out with the history of ivermectin here, okay? So the drug was originally developed to deworm livestock animals before doctors began using it against parasitic diseases among humans. Several researchers, by the way, won the Nobel Prize in 2015. This is just six years ago, okay? Six years ago. Now think about all of the stuff that people are saying about ivermectin online when you, when you hear someone say that they're taking it. Several researchers won the Nobel Prize in 2015 for establishing its efficacy in humans. 
It's used to treat head lice, uh, river blindness, and some other stuff, okay? Uh, both the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the CDC have warned Americans against its use uh, for COVID-19. It's unproven as a treatment, they say, and large doses of it can be dangerous and cause serious harm. This annoying person right here said some of the crazy stuff you would have heard on that, uh, on that Rogan episode, by the way. Um, in an interview, here's, here's one of the things they say right here. Dr. Leanne Chrisman, a physician and professor at Ohio University called Ivermectin Snake Oil, she reviewed it. Now, this is something that's been in use for humans since 1981-ish, uh, but we don't know. It's not technically approved for COVID-19. She reviewed the research on the drug's uses and said there are some serious problems with its cited studies. Many of them don't show positive results. Meaning, they, some of them don't show positive results, and those that do, uh, that have design flaws like small control groups, unaccounted for variables, not accounting for mitigations like vaccines and masking practices. So one thing I do want to say for everyone who's very much in favor of ivermectin, I want to see some results from controlled studies sometimes. I know that we're libertarians. We don't like the word control very much. But in science, it is very important to have a controlled study. So We did uh, have a controlled study. Well, I need to. I said I need to see it. I didn't say there hasn't been we, one. We talked about this uh, about a month, this month or so ago. There was a group of nurses in a hospital. Was it in Canada or well, was it this in... Is what they're, that's what they're citing right now, some of those same studies. But they're, saying that, they, they're saying that they weren't actually controlled like they don't know if some of the people in the study and i don't know if it was the nurses specifically um they said uh, some of the people in the study might have also had the vaccine they don't really know it wasn't a controlled study and so they weren't you know they weren't taking people's blood all the time or anything to make sure they weren't doing anything else so i'm just saying when you do your studies and maybe there are plenty out there you want to make sure that they're as scientific as possible and make sure that you don't allow any type of bias to make you decide that this must be the thing, just make sure that it's based off of uh, some actual controlled data. And I, I want to see that if it is out there, that actual controlled data. And I think that that's uh, pretty important. If we do have something that will work, then we need to know about it. You know, the, and the FDA needs to get on it. Well, there's no reason why they shouldn't study it because obviously <clears throat> taking the low dose for however many days is not really going to hurt you. There have been... There have been no studies on ivermectin that actually uh, have harmed people severely, yeah. a large group of people, when taking it correctly. So, th so that's the thing for me is that they make it out to be this massive taboo thing. But if you look at the history of ivermectin, it's not, it's not a, a drug that has harmed a significant amount of people. Like the side effects are not nearly as horrible as some of drugs approved by the FDA that people take all the time. Yeah. And so like you're taken saying, properly. what you should be paying attention to is <clears throat> should people be allowed to take it if they want to, if they think it's going to help for COVID-19? Absolutely. You should. Okay. Yes. And you can go into that knowing that it is disputed whether or not it's going to do anything for you. And if doctors uh, have to wait on the FDA to approve things to make sure that they actually do work and that's what they're going to do, then those doctors need to be free to prescribe it or not prescribe it. But like you said, going down the, going down the road of this is dangerous and it's going to kill you, that's why we talked about the farm supply store, ivermectin, versus ivermectin that's actually been made for humans. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. Exactly. That's really... That's all I really wanted to uh, talk. Oh, there's one more. There is one more thing in here we need to to talk about if you want to, or we can save it for tomorrow. Look, we well, can go over this a little bit because there was a lot of shit that happened while I was gone. Oh yeah, yeah. My God, it in went heaven. down. Lord have mercies. 
Um, I, you know, I don't, I'm not really caught up to speed yet. I, I actually watched the news this weekend trying to figure out what all was going on while I was gone. And yeah. it was a lot. It and, was, it uh, was so quite can, a bit. Yeah. We can go over this uh, a little bit. I'm for sure the, you probably For the podcast, uh, for the social media, it was actually better that you left apparently. Yeah. Uh, but for the world in general, it wasn't as good. So we need yeah. to maybe do some soul that. searching there. It was really good for the podcast. I don't know. We've talked a lot of times about how Facebook was censoring us. Hey, I'll just say we had a post a couple weeks ago, still going right now. Got 130,000 shares been viewed by 11 million people. And uh, they, uh, they, they evidently didn't censor that post. They only censored, they lifted the lid. Yeah, they did lift the lid. We have another one today that I think that's like 15,000 shares on it so far and been, been viewed by, you know, it's going to be in the millions again by the time it gets there. So, hey, maybe, we, maybe we're off the, the no share list. <laughs> From the old Facebooks. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure you, you probably covered a little bit of what happened in Afghanistan. Right? I didn't cover anything while you were gone. I interviewed oh. people every day. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, a lot, a lot happened. I'm sure you all know about Afghanistan and, um, you, you know, our thoughts on Afghanistan. Um, and also I wanted to, I wanted to mention this too, because you guys knew, you guys knew this was going to happen by the way. One of the first things Lindsey Graham did was call for the impeachment of Joe Biden. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, Oh, you're frozen on my side. Uh Oh, so I'm now, you know, that I can still hear you though. Uh, now you know that they're going to throw this back and forth. Every single freaking administration is going to be impeach, 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 impeach. So anyway, we'll cover I, this. Really, I want to go on record as saying that I don't want Joe Biden to be impeached. I don't. I don't want him to be impeached and removed. I will say that. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want this this precedent to be set that we're just going to do this every four years or every time we have the opposite person in there. Like, yeah. oh, we'll just impeach. They did it to us. We'll do it to them. And it's never anyway, going to be so, done on consistent principles, by the way. That's the issue. They're just going to use yeah. it as a political weapon uh, all, all the time. And the main issue is I don't want to have the vice president as the president. So I would not support removal of Joe Biden Agreed. at all. I honestly, I don't care what he does. I don't care what he does. Yeah. All right. From Axios, Pentagon investigating reports of 10 civilians killed in U.S. drone strikes. US drone, uh, the U.S. drone strike targeting a vehicle believed to pose as imminent ISIS-K threat to Kabul's airport killed 10 Afghan civilians, uh, or Kabul. Is it Kabul or Kabul? Kabul? Uh, Kabul is what I've always heard, so... Kabul? Yeah. Um, including seven children, family members, and witnesses told the New York Times. Asked about the reports of civilian casualties, Pentagon Press Secretary John Kirby said at a briefing on Monday, we, we are not in a position to dispute it right now. Quote, we're assessing and we're investigating. Make no mistake, no military on the face of the earth works harder to avoid civilian casualties than the U.S. military, Kirby said. I like yeah, how you chuckled US, a little bit in that. Right, because it's like, how many kids have they killed? A lot. <laughs> but yeah. it might be true that they work harder than other militaries. Because most have... militaries aren't bombing 50,000 <laughs> <true>. countries. <laughs> like, yeah, you're working harder. You're the only one bombing countries. <laughs> he added that the U.S. is coordinating with the Taliban, in addition to examining press reports and other methods of investigation, to determine whether civilians were killed. The drone strike was the second carried out by the U.S. military in response to a suicide bombing that killed 13 U.S. service members and over 170 Afghan civilians last week. 
Pentagon officials said the first strike carried out on Friday killed two high-profile targets involved in the planning of the airport bombing, which the U.S. has attributed to ISIS-K, the terrorist group's affiliate in Afghanistan. They have a different Facebook group than normal ISIS. Yeah, different Twitter page, yeah. ISIS-K. Yeah. <laughs> Shortly before the drone strike, Zamari Ahmadi, who worked for the Nutrition and Education International Charity in Afghanistan, pulled into his street in Kabul, where he lived with his three brothers and their families, witnesses told the Times. A number of children came outside to greet Ahmadi when the strike occurred. The missile hit uh, near the rear of the car, destroying it, spraying sharpnel and killing Ahmadi and many other children surrounding the vehicle. At first, I thought it was the Taliban, um, Ahmadi's, uh, Ahmadi's daughter, who was inside the house when the blast struck, but the Americans themselves did it. I saw the whole scene, she added. There were burnt pieces of flesh everywhere. Uh, her fiancé, Ahmad Nasir, a former army officer and contractor with the U.S. military who had applied for a special immigrant visa, was among those killed. Stephen Kwan, the president of NEI, said Zamari Ahmadi was well-respected by his colleagues and compassionate towards the poor and needy, and that he had just recently prepared and delivered soy-based meals to hungry women and children at local refugee camps in Kabul. So... Um, the U.S. does it again. I'm not really surprised, by the way. I don't know if you are or not. No. Uh, but no. the situation in Afghanistan is, is is sad. Of course, my response is we should have never been there to begin with. Uh, but, if, but if you are going to exit a country, I think you should have a, a decent strategy of getting out of there, um, especially and not leave it uh, as just a free-for-all. Uh, I've seen several posts from former military members who served over there um, who said that, now, of course, I'm going to forget now, but there was another Air Force base. Um, at, ba was it Baghdadi? Bagram. Maybe? Bagram. Yeah. The, the, the Bagram uh, Air Force Base was a much safer and easier and well, more well-equipped than the International um, uh, Kabul Airport was, and they have no idea why they just didn't move people over there to do the evacuation from it, They weren't arguing against the evacuation. They were just arguing with the strategy of how they did it. Cause they could have um, protected Bagram more than they could protect the airport. Exactly. And, yeah. and Bagram was already set up for an evacuation. It was already set up to be protected. It was already set up to, to thwart an attack uh, and, and Kabul was not. And so I, you know, my situation is obviously I'm sad when anybody dies, especially service members. We have, you know, several of our family members who have served or are serving and, uh, and I'm against death. So I don't want anyone to die, but we, we don't need to be there. Of course, I'm probably gonna get a lot of heat from the group in that. Um, so, so I wish we were never there to begin with, but my God, it could have been done better. And I would have said the same thing at Trump, you know, it, Trump started the plan of, to get us out of there, um, which we should be cause we were there for 20 years. And now Unfortunately, I probably agree with Lindsey Graham that we're going to be there for another 20 years. Like yeah. it's, it's never going to end. We're that's, going to be in Afghanistan until I die. I think that's what we said. And in, in one of the few episodes we actually recorded in the last month uh, with you and I live uh, when we were talking about this whole thing was that it was just going to go so terribly that we're just going to end up going back there. And when I was talking with, uh, when I was talking with Maurice and Amanda, 
from the Civil Discord podcast the other day. I called this the Great Reset of the Afghan War. And uh, basically, we're just going to let everyone take it over again. And then, of course, we'll have to go back there. And it looks like, I think, let's see, who just posted that? Um, Matt just posted saying that the last U.S. military rescue plane has left Afghanistan and that we left and that we did leave citizens behind, uh, which is what they tell you in the military. It's always fine to leave a man behind. That's a, a rhyming thing that they've always said. And uh, so they did complete the withdrawal. And, you know, the point with this bombing that killed several civilians, it just, you know, you need, you know what everyone needs to do is make sure you watch Team America sometime this, this week. Make sure you watch Team America because they explain it really well. We go in there, guns blazing. We mow down a bunch of people. We have all types of civilian casualties. And we're like, yeah, there you go. You're welcome. We helped you. And, and that's why people, you know, it's hard to figure out whether or not it's better for us to be there or not. I mean, do you think that the families of these people, you think they got a good view of the U.S.? How many, how many more quote, terrorists, unquote, uh, were created, or just say ISIS members or Taliban members, um, not saying they're not, that they're not terrorists, I'm just saying, but uh, ISIS or Taliban members, do you think were created with this drone strike? You think they're going to forget that not only did the U.S. occupy their country for 20 years, but when we left, we set the place on fire, and uh, and then we went ahead and dropped some bombs on some kids just to remind everyone what they were going to be missing out on for the next 20 years? Like, do you think they're yeah, going to feel this good? Is what this wife said, she was like, I thought it was the Taliban, but it was the American, uh, but the Americans themselves did it. Yeah. So now you, what do you think she thinks? Yeah. Or sorry, the daughter, not, not the wife, the daughter. Like, so now, you know, and it's like, you know, that's the blowback part. And do you think the families of these people, do you think the families of these children or the people that were killed, do you think they want some justice? For what just happened? Did those children or those family members need to be killed? How do you those... think they want you think they want any less justice than the than the 13 US service members who were killed want justice? No. And they they deserve some kind of justice. They're human beings and they were killed by US bombs. They deserve something. And I don't even know what that would look like because we don't really hold our military accountable for things like that. But they're gonna want it just like and when we, we try to it. hold them accountable. We put the whistleblowers in jail or, or ostracize <laughs> yeah. them. And so, what are they gonna do to get that justice? I'll leave you with that question. What will they do to get the justice for their family members that were just murdered as we were letting the door hit us on the way out? What put that in your pipe and smoke it? So, think about that until tomorrow. Go watch some Ron Paul videos. Charlie, wrap us up. All right, guys, if you enjoyed today's show, which I know you did, we are back. Baby, it feels so good. We have a speaking engagement coming up in October that we're really excited about. We'll let you guys know more details when we get that. We are also moving uh, officially our offices slash um, studio. And so that's going to be exciting as well. Lots of really cool things coming up for everyone. I think we should do another giveaway. I'm just feeling all kinds of things since I've been back from Italy. So uh, please share the show with a friend, a colleague, an enemy, a horse, a cat, and dog, and the children. And everybody needs to hear the show. Please, please share it. That's the one ask that we do. That's for free. 
Uh, Nate, you're also uh, uh, doing some local action, some locals. Yeah, so action, we're switching from Patreon over to locals. Uh, yes. Locals started by Dave Rubin, as we're calling it, and he called it's the free market's response to the censorship from Patreon and big tech. So it's like a social media platform slash uh, Patreon kind of thing. It's a really cool community set up like a like a social media platform, way way more so than than Patreon is. It's going to be easier for us to use as far as that goes. And we're getting with a company that cares about free speech. So you can go to goodmorningliberty.locals.com and switch over. And everyone in the Patreon group, I know a lot of you have already switched over. By the way, everyone, you're going to get the access to the Discord with the with the with uh, that membership. That's not going to change. We're still going to be using this Discord all the time. Uh, to do our live video and um, and until until there is something better, but make sure you go over there. That's how you're gonna have access to our amazing Liberty Eleven community. Good morning, Liberty. Locals.com. You stay classy. And that wasn't an ad. That was just an announcement. That was an okay. announcement. <laughs> we were just announcing that we're making the switch. I like okay? it. Yeah. So y'all head on over there. And if you do all of those things and ponder that question all overnight and see see what your answer is, then we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you guys have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.